Looking ahead to RSA Conference 2016, what is this year's particular focus on privacy? Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. My pleasure and my privilege to be speaking today with Michelle Dennedy. She's the Chief Privacy Officer with Cisco. Michelle, it's a pleasure to catch up with you again. You too. Thanks for having me, Tom. Now, what I notice up front is you are in two privacy sessions at RSA this year. This tells me that maybe we're seeing a sudden emergence of privacy as a key topic among security leaders. I I love this trend. You and I have covered RSA for so many years, and I think it lasts what I called last year on your show, ampersand privacy. I saw all the booths had, we have security and privacy, and yet when you would dig in and ask them what that meant, they would either say encryption or honk. So this year, I think we're starting to finally realize that there's no longer the either-or conversation. It has to be security or it has to be privacy. I think at last we are looking at data centricity, the importance of information as a key economic as well as value-driven driver of the marketplace, and security as one of the key integrity engines of that economic kind of confluence of, of information and technology working for people and not people just being oppressed by too much information and too much technology. So, Michelle, from my perspective, I hear people in the past year talking about, you know, they're having the backdoor conversation. They're talking about the European privacy regulation. From your perspective as a privacy officer, what have been the key trends that really have driven privacy's new prominence in the discussion? Well, I'd I'd love to say that it was finally we're waking up to these massive breaches and how they impact individual lives, but I actually think it's much more kind of the the macro dynamics of the market at play, where we're looking at a lot of softness in the financial markets and people looking to information technology to extend and enhance and grow business, as well as some of the really tragic events with Charlie Hebdo and the, um, the, the murders in Paris, we're starting to see yet again what are we what do we really need to know as a community to protect ourselves and what's that balance with surveillance versus meaningful monitoring for law enforcement versus growing new businesses, having new platforms, and really the emergence of what we call at Cisco rather than the IoT, we call it the IOE, which really breaks down into everyone, everything ethics and experience. So with so much prevalent computing, I think you're just going to see more and more conversation, concern, and hopefully pragmatic solutions coming around data privacy. So I want to talk to you about the sessions you're going to be involved with at RSA. One of them is called Privacy, Security, IT, and the New European General Protection Regulation. That's a lot to talk about right there. (laughs) Yes, it is. So what's the message you want to bring to the discussion? Well, I I think I want to kind of go back to the restaurant at the end of the universe. And our message is don't panic. You know, here's your towel. Don't panic. The GDPR, or General Protection, uh, Data Privacy Protection Regulation, has been kind of cooking in the background for the last four years or so. And it does bring a punch. Um, It it does not have the impact of law as yet, but we do have a final draft. And in that draft, the regulators are capable of levying fines to global 
entities up to 4% of global profit. I think that's a big wake-up call. What it says to me as a strategic business leader is think about the penalties levied for things like antitrust or product defects that actually are harming individuals. That's the serious stance and weight that the GDPR gives to privacy. No more 1,000 euro here, 1,000 euro there, fining. So I think the fines are, are a big focusing number for the top um, folks who are looking at the economics of what they're spending and, and are they spending enough to protect their infrastructure. I think on the other side is the hoped for result is a little more modernization of the data privacy protection so that we're really looking at things that are harmful things and um, things that degrade trust in the overall um, IT networks, of course, but also in business in general. That's the hoped for, I think, aspirational view because Remember, the directive that we're currently operating under was developed in 1995. And back in 95, I think we still had, um, you know, the, the primary thing we were doing on our email was sending cat pictures and um, chain mail, if you remember that. Like, if you don't answer, send this on to 10 people in 10 days, you'll, you know, have a hangnail. Um, now, business is absolutely driven on the, on the framework of IT. We're actually moving beyond early email and communication that go all the way out to the riskiest point of all in security, which is what I call the carbon-based unit, you and me. So our perimeters of our, of our, um, our corporations and our governments are expanding, and I think that's what the, the GDPR really recognizes. So that's big, and I probably have, like, reversed your opinion of don't panic. Here's where the don't panic comes in. Privacy engineering, it won't surprise you to hear me say that. I think as we look at baking in fair principles and ethics and value-based models into the fabric of the architecture of the network, we start to see transparency becoming available. We start to see accountability that is possible. And we start to see a tool set that actually can make sense of this overwhelming asset, which is kind of pouring in on us, but we don't yet know what to do, called information. And I think it's time for us to respect that great, great Hopper quote that I always say, one day on the corporate balance sheet, there will be a notation for something called information. For in many cases, it is more valuable than the hardware and the software that processes it. And Grace Hopper said that in 1965. I think the day is finally coming where we're building networks to meet that challenge. Michelle, I want to switch gears and discuss the second topic you're going to be addressing at RSA, and that's the session, Can Government Encryption Backdoors and Privacy Coexist? Is it an oxymoron? Now, I know I'm throwing you the biggest softball possible here. (laughs) What's your take on this notion of a backdoor? You know, so... I will go with Coco Chanel on this one. If you walk out of your house every day and you look at your look, she said always take two things off because simple is always more on point. And I'm probably misquoting the exact quote. But where you create an elaborate system of additional complexity on top of an already complex system, you are introducing risk and a new threat surface for both attackers 
and people that you think are, are lawfully entering the environment. So a door is a door, and a door in technology is not based on judgment of a human being or even really, really good artificial intelligence being able to tell whether the, the person entering that door is the right person or not. So we can put all sorts of layers and layers and layers on top of those back doors, but at the end of the day, we have enough front doors, we have enough mechanisms, we have enough discourse that is capable and possible to build our networks in such a way that when we need to police and get information forensically, chase people who are running across our network, across jurisdictional lines, we can do it with technology that is transparent and um, available rather than these so-called backdoors. Backdoors are just doors um, that aren't guarded very well in my mind. How do you see the discussion on this topic progressing, or do you see it progressing? I, I think, you know, so this is where I, I have to brag about my own company. I mean, we at Cisco, we have been very clear, and I'm, I'm incredibly pleased to say as an insider here, I'll give you a little insider ball. We do not believe that this is something that ever should be done, regardless of which customer is pushing down on your neck. We do not knowingly put these things in there. Now, does that mean we never connect to a network that someone else has tinkered with? No, I'm not giving you a guarantee, so don't, you know, don't take it that way. We never knowingly do this, and we have been on the record for years and years saying that there is a good way to do this, there's an upfront way to do this, there's an international way to do this sort of, um, you know, to, to solve the business and, and governmental objectives, the citizens' objectives, without introducing this type of risk. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased to get inside and realize that this isn't just talk for Cisco. This goes all the way from the top all the way down to every single technical person I've seen encountered. And um, um, I think that kind of leadership from the big players in the market, that really goes a long way to saying this is just not something that's acceptable. We can't protect ourselves this way. Michelle, just a couple of quick questions for you. One is you talked up front about how last year as we walked around, RSA privacy was sort of the ampersand and privacy. How would you say that the privacy profession is different today than it was a year ago when we were at RSA? Well, so I'll go back a, a, a couple things. I think, one, we're growing. Um, and certainly if you look at the numbers, um, I sit on the board of IAPP, which is our, our big international association of privacy professionals, and record numbers. I'm sure Trevor Hughes will be the, the president of that organization, will be running around RSA again, and um, it's growing. So there's a lot of interest. We have a lot of training. We have ISO certified training available now for people who are interested in, in joining the profession. So I think growth is one thing. I think um, with the European schema of the general uh, data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, it requires a data privacy officer or a chief privacy officer, an executive in charge. Um, so I, I, I am saying what I've been saying for 18 years, but I think it's actually happening, which is we're getting inching closer and closer to a leader in organizations that has the ear of management the eye of the operational layer and the strategic vision 
to come up with something that can be followed by every rank-and-file employee to create a culture of privacy. Now, now, that's not everywhere yet. We have a lot of training to do. We have a lot of people, I think, in the security field that would be perfect to transition over and add to their skill set by understanding not just how to keep bad guys out, but what should be in networks. How should a healthy um, network look? What does it look like when it's not healthy beyond detecting malware, but really figuring out are we building efficient, automated, smart, decision-oriented networks? So I think we're starting to see just a nascency. And then I think the other thing that, again, this is my, my personal bias probably wanting to see it, I've been talking for years about data is the new critical asset. And I've been misquoted for years when I said data is the new oil. Um, in, back in 2001, I think it was, I said data is the new oil. And then I stopped myself and I said, but it's not. Because oil, you know, yes, there's crude oil and there's, you know, processed oil. But at the end of the day, it's just dead dinosaur. We have to stop looking at our data like it is some sort of dead dinosaur. Instead, data is being looked at more like a critical asset, like currency. And currency markets are very sensitive to time, context, and care. And so when we're seeing people taking care of their virtual assets as they would a currency asset, then I think we come to an entire new precipice of what a privacy professional is, how they need to integrate with the financial people, with the technical people, with the marketing people, and with the highest of the executive level. And so that's where I think we're going as a privacy profession. I think we have to challenge ourselves to get better. I think we have to challenge ourselves to not just be experts in privacy law and not just be experts in gathering consent, I think we have to be really thinking about uh, macro and microeconomics and finance and how do we get that information on that balance sheet. Michelle, last question. How do you recommend that privacy professionals experience RSA Conference? I've been such an outsider for so many years at RSA as a privacy person, and oftentimes it's overwhelming. So you start to go to this, and you go to, like, your first three sessions, and it's all acronyms about various types of encryption protocols or maybe, if you're lucky, some identity management at some point in the stack. I think that you have to not be intimidated. I think you have to figure out it's a very, very big, loud place at RSA. There's so many sessions, and there's so many people to dig through. I think to really figure out for yourself as a privacy professional, um, think about the world as kind of a pie and your responsibilities. If you cut the pie in half, half your pie is compliance. And you cut that pie in half again, half are your employees and half are your customers. So think about which sessions would help you better understand the inputs and the exits and the risks around compliance. How, how would I match security protocols with what I have to do to comply with law and policy. And then the other side of, of the circle for a privacy professional is, is another place where they can really help as well. And I cut that in half as well. And half of that half is R&D. 
how are we influencing the products and services that we buy, sell, or um, um, acquire as, as vendor products, regardless of, of your vertical. So healthcare or farming, all of these things have big data elements, right? So how would I get my head around transparency and accountability and proportionality and consent and risk in these areas and then match those sessions. And then the final is really what I call the ombudsman uh, quartile, which is how do I want to influence these rules and regulations and policies globally um, as a privacy professional, the things that haven't been written, the things that the legislators who are not, you know, feet on the street can't know going and learning about that possibility and the impossibility of certain things. I'll give you a perfect example. When 1386, which is the California now notorious breach law, um, when it was first proposed in draft, the, the language said everything shall be encrypted, and it sounded so beautiful, except that the year was 2002, and our systems simply weren't designed to have everything ubiquitously encrypted at all times. You can't, first of all, if you can read it, it's not encrypted. So we can't run a business and have it at all times. So that wasn't pragmatic. And then understanding the, the system capabilities back in that, you know, decade and a half ago are very different than they are today. So coming to the table and realizing that we needed to bring technical people to, to talk to the Californians and say, hey, why don't we make a safe harbor instead? And why don't we point that law at certain categories of information so we can actually get this job done? That was such a fruitful conversation, and I'm so pleased that we had it back then. We have similar conversations to have. Privacy people need to be dialoguing constantly with their public policy teams about what's possible and what's not. You have to constantly be pushing yourself, even if you're a non-technical person, to understand what is this information asset really? What can you actually achieve um, short-term and long-term in, in gains? Um, and I think it's really important to do that. And, and I think when you do that, you have a, a really unique insight into what makes your business tick, and you can put that back into your business plan and really speak to your executives on a different level. Michelle, I appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. The topic has been the focus on privacy at RSA Conference 2016. I've been speaking with Michelle Dennity, Chief Privacy Officer with Cisco. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.